continue share it. We're going to go on a different message now with that same theme in mind. So let us open up our Bibles to the passage here, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. The official title for today is Overcoming Laziness and Rebellion. The unofficial title is Don't Be an Oompa Loompa. Now, I want you guys to understand what I mean by the word Oompa Loompa. An Oompa Loompa is one of the um, miniature people <clears throat> in the fictional story of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Willy Wonka seems to be the creator of the Oompa Loompas. Does anybody know if he actually creates them? There's Loompa Land. There we go. And they just all happen to look alike, right? And uh, thank you. And so here he is with all these Oompa Loompas. They all look alike. And what they are basically is a bunch of yes people who just do whatever Willy Wonka tells them to do. One of the biggest problems that you'll face in leadership in Bible college is becoming an Oompa Loompa. Someone that really isn't effective in the call of God, someone that is not able to really um, make a difference in people's lives, but someone who simply just does whatever they have to do, the bare minimum, and then they fear man. <clears throat> Excuse me, let's not get, get on technology now. If we could shut down computers and you guys could take notes afterwards. I just want to see eyes right now, if that's okay. I'm just going to log in here and let everybody know. Join me for chapel. Thank you. And I just want eyes right now. Let's just consider this a little fireside chat. So if we could shut down phones, turn down the computer. Thank you. I'll make sure to end in enough time for you guys to <clears throat> get to your classes. So when we think about Oompa Loompas and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, what we're looking at is people that really don't have a brain of their own, people that are not really efficient on their own to lead themselves, but you're uh, looking at people who are easily led, easily manipulated. Now, a lot of times in the world, uh, people think that um, that would be kind of like us as Christians. We would be the Oompa Loompas because we're all just following the, the masses here as we follow religion. But really, when you look at the world as a whole, even in percentage-wise, we are the minority. We are the, uh, the uprising. We are the rebels. Uh, we are the, uh, the rejects of society in many, many ways. And especially now in America, we're not looked upon as, uh, as a high-minded, like, wise group of people. We're uh, portrayed in media, the news, and in um, education as really backwards. And so that's, that's what they think of us. But that's not true. I remember talking to one of our members, one of you guys, uh, I mean, you guys would know him, obviously, but just for the sake of this going to other places, well, I won't mention his name, but I was talking to him, and he said, I thought when I was living in the homosexual lifestyle, doing drugs, a partying, being really into fashion and all of these things, I thought that, that I was really anti-establishment, anti, -establishment, anti uh, what the world was doing, but I really <laughs> found out that I was doing exactly what the world was doing. Like, even though I was a skateboarder and, and there was some tension with me in some parts of the culture, but I was really, like, right in line with culture. Uh, that's why when you see people applauding the uh, presidency of Obama, because we have a church of a lot of young adults here, uh, what are they really applauding? They're applauding all of those things that we would, we would call sin. 
uh, he was the first president to really get behind the gay thing and, and you know, light up with rainbows, you know, the, the White House. Uh, he was one to really stick it to the Christians, give it to the big businesses, you know, uh, support. Uh, if you guys remember Occupy Wall Street, you know, the Anar anarchics, anar anarchists movement. Uh, he really got behind, you know, the uprising of the Arab Spring in the Middle East, which absolutely destroyed and devastated churches. It was a terror to Christians. But yet people applauded him because he was Hollywood's uh, kind of choice. You know, like I said before, if you're on the same side of an issue as Aston Kusher is, you might want to back, uh, push down the brakes a little bit and go, maybe I need to think this through uh, if I'm using the same hashtag as Ashton Kusher. You know, if you want to pump the brakes here and go, I'm probably on the wrong path. Maybe you need to look around. What, what, did I take a wrong turn here? Or is this just something so obvious that even an Ashton Kusher got it right? But the chances are, like I said last week, about 80% 80, 80 of the time, if you're on something that really these guys are forwarding and pushing, chances are you're on the wrong train already. Uh, Ashton Kusher has nothing to share with me about social justice. But anyways, when we look to the church, uh, sometimes what people will think uh, the servant in the house of God is, because our model here at SUM is servant of all, is an Oompa Loompa. That what uh, the leaders want is just somebody to do whatever they say, you know, be Johnny on the spot, jump how high. Uh, but they don't understand. That's actually not the Oompa Loompa. That person who's willing to serve and go the extra mile is actually a rarity. They're actually a very strong leader, and they show it through their humility. Now, we see that in the example of Jesus. Any stronger leader upon this planet that walked the earth than Jesus? But was he not in the most submission to the Father at all times? To choosing how he would rest. To choosing to what he would do with his spare time. Every single minutia of his life was under submission. Under submission, but no Oompa Loompa. David, mighty man of God. Nobody greater in the, the history of the Bible the Jewish people as a warrior, wouldn't want to go to battle with anybody else other than David. But was he a rebel? Was he a, a, a social justice warrior with an F, uh, an F King Saul shirt on? Uh, was, was he protesting in front of Jerusalem saying, I demand my kingship? Was that his radicalism? No, where was he radical? Radical in submission. Radical in humility. When it was time to fight, he did greater things than the others. Same thing when you look to folklore of the other nations, the folklore of the Greek people, the 300, the Spartans, their folklore. That We don't know how much of this is true, but we know it survived into this day, and of course in the movie The 300. Um, to be in the, 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 the army of the Spartans, you had to be under submission. You had to be on the team. You had to turn when they told you to turn. You had to hold the shield exactly at a certain angle with a certain stance. You had to do that. Otherwise, you could not be with the greatest fighting men. You couldn't. You would cost them their lives. You would, you would have to do that. Same thing in our own folklore. When you talk about the greatest battles and the people who fought those wars, whether it be from the Revolutionary War, Civil War, to our World War I and World War II, it's, it's the soldier, if you remember, like in the, the, the adaptation of this and Saving Private Ryan, 
It's the soldier who listens to what the sergeant is saying. Get up. Get up. Get off the hill. Move. Move. Tell this guy to move. Grab him. Grab him. Go. Go. It's the one who's doing that and following that that lives to fight another day. The one who cowers. The Oompa Loompa in that situation. The one who cowers is the one who dies and gets other people killed. Oftentimes, you will confuse those two from being a true servant of God, understanding what it means to truly be humble, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, as Peter says, and being an Oompa Loompa. You will think, because I humble myself under these certain people, I've become their Oompa Loompa. But if you do it right unto God, you have become a servant in the house of God. And if you are mistreated, you are then given a place under the throne of God, your prayers, where he hears the needy and the oppressed cry out and brings forth his righteous judgment upon oppressors. But if you are in rebellion and you use it as fighting for my rights, don't they know I've been working all day? They shouldn't talk to me on my practicum like this. Don't they know I have other degrees? I shouldn't be expected to clean bathrooms. When you come with that and you think you're right, standing up in that way, you're actually not a world changer. You're actually not a true leader. You're an Oompa Loompa because you're doing what all the world does. All the world resist the authority of God. All the world looks out for themselves with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All the world says, I don't need church. I don't need submission to the scriptures. I don't need submission to men and women of flesh made of clay to tell me what God says. I'm spiritual all by myself. I don't need to submit to that. And so you think you've become a justice warrior in a sense, but really you've become a part of the faceless, voiceless, opinionless mass, just like those in Berkeley who tear down free speech. You're tearing down what God is doing. I learned my greatest lessons of leadership being a servant. I learned my greatest lessons of leadership being left for practicums because I wasn't on time. I learned my greatest lessons of leadership having two-hour rebukes because of simple things that no one who really would, people who don't care about me never would have talked to me about, but someone saw through the way I left the van dirty and wanted to talk to me two hours about my mentality, about how I do things in all parts of my life. It was those times that I grew the most. It was those times that off statements would be brought up in front of the people I said them to and that I had to learn humility. Joe, why did you say that to them? Why did you do this? Having to be accountable for those things. And so you as SUM students need to go back to the Bible and really understand the difference between what it means to be an Oompa Loompa and a servant of God. The servant of God sees their identity in Christ as a warrior, sees themselves as more than a conqueror, and because they're secure in themselves, they don't fear man, but they willingly serve man as unto God because it's a part of the process. And if you don't believe that, then just ask yourself this simple question that Chancellor No said to me as well when I was dealing with a rebellious SUM student. Is he said, I told that rebellious SUM student who is now an atheist, an unbeliever, because he's been handed over to his own depravity and a hard heart, he said, do you want 100 people like you in your ministry? 
See, if you're not willing to reap a hundred like you under the ministry you're serving, then don't act like you in the ministry you're serving. Do you want a hundred people like you that question everything a leader says? Do you want a hundred people like you that don't learn their lessons as they're going through life? Do you want a hundred people like you that need side meetings and extra systems built around them so they don't get offended? Do you want a hundred touchy people like you, weird people like you, awkward people like you? Do you want a hundred people that are easily offended like you, lazy like you, forgetful like you, uninspired like you, lacking of passion like you? Do you want a hundred? Would that be your greatest dream? Give me a hundred like that, Jesus. Multiply me right now. Stamp me out. Stamp me out. Stamp me out a hundred times, and that will be a, 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 a church that will change the world. See, I can say that today. Give me a hundred like me. Paul could say, follow me as I follow Christ. Not in my own strength, but of God. You need to get to that place where say, I am confident that what I am doing can be multiplied, should be multiplied, and God will use it. John Wesley said, give me a, a hundred preachers that fear nothing but God and sin and will change the world for God. So if you are not trustworthy and little, how can you be given much? And so then what you'll do in ministry is you'll just do one of two things. You'll be a hypocrite or you'll have a shallow ministry and you won't care. You'll be a hypocrite, expect from others what you never gave uh, to someone else. You'll expect them to give you this. That You'll expect them to take a right turn without a question because you know that there's a pole ahead. You'll expect them to duck because you will see a bullet coming. You'll expect them to take you at your word, but you didn't do that for somebody else. Hypocritical. Or you will have an inch, wide, uh, an inch deep, a mile wide ministry where you just don't give a rip. As long as they show up on the big day and make you look good, you don't care what they think, what they say, what they do. In other words, just play that keyboard, usher that door, say this to this person for me, and let's just keep building this thing. Because you're not about replicating. But if you're about true replication, then you will sow what you want to reap. And you don't want to sow an Oompa Loompa. You want to sow a servant into the house of God. That's what you want to sow. You don't want to sow lack of passion, lack of enthusiasm, lack of integrity. You don't want to sow lack of discipline, lack of attention to details. You want to sow responsibility. You want to sow trustworthiness so that when your time comes, you can be sent out. Just as Elisha was with Elijah. Just as the disciples were with Jesus. And just as Paul did with Timothy. Look at the scripture. Paul says here in uh, Philippians chapter 2, he says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. You see, there's a partnership that Paul has with Timothy and the church, and it's also about making him feel good. Now, you, you may say, well, it's really not all about Paul's feelings. It's about the glory of God. Yes, that is true. But if you really care about your leader, you care about their feelings. You want Paul to be happy. You want them to come and serve among you with joy. You're not doing it for the flesh's emotions, but you're doing it for the blessing of God because you care about other people's happiness. When you're serving someone, you want to bring a smile to their face. Paul even, uh, the author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 3.17, when they work among you, don't be a burden to them because that's not a joy. It's not a joy to serve people like that. Be a joy. Be a joy. 
to the leaders that you serve, the practicum leaders that you, you serve. Don't be the one that they have to go find your homework assignment. Don't be the one they have to wonder where you're at. Don't be the one that they have to ask you two and three times to do something. Don't be the one that they're always having to have a side meeting to say, hey, do, do you and I get each other or am I always offending you because I'm not able to read you. I'm not getting a full support from you. I'm not getting a smile from you. I'm not getting joy from you serving here. So now i got to build systems around you so we don't offend you and bother you. Or do you come in with a smile, leave with a smile, slap high fives with your leaders? It's a joy to serve you. It's a joy to be here with you. It's an honor to learn from you. Whatever God's placed in your heart for me, I receive. That's what Paul said. He said, I want to send son, uh, my spiritual son Timothy to you that I might be cheered up. I want some good news. I'm locked up in jail. I want to hear some good news from the church. I have no one else like him. See, Paul had a lot of oompa loompas. Paul had a lot of people that were yes men that feared him and did things for the wrong motives, pretended like they were there for the right reasons, but he only had a few, and at this point only one, he claims, that was like Timothy. So I only got one guy that really makes me smile all the time, one person that really brings the joy to my heart, that gives joy to the ministry here on earth that I'm doing. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Because not only does he care about what's going on in my life, he cares about what's going on in your life. He's not a selfish person. He's not always inward. Awkward people are always inward. Self-centered, easily offended people are always inward. Lazy people are always inward. He said, this guy's not an inward guy. He's not lost in himself in conversation. It doesn't always go back to him and weirdiness. It goes back to God, me as his leader, and the people he's serving. That, that's what consumes his heart. That's what's his passion. Because that's how I'm about you, by the way. When I talk about this church, when I talk about this cohort, it brings a smile to my face. And I talk about the passion that you guys have for ministry. And I tell the stories of the gang ministry, the youth, the encounter night. I talk about what we're doing in this church. And we should do it both ways, right? He says, for everyone, now look how he says here, everyone, everyone in our, in our terminology is an oompa loompa. Everyone looks out for their own interest. Now, I know in this sense, the Oompa Loompa looks out for the interests of Willy Wonka, and that may seem a little bit like a contradiction. But what I mean by this is like they're an Oompa Loompa, is they're really doing it just for themselves. They're not there for the right reasons. Now, this is where we may different, differ from the Oompa Loompa. The Oompa, Oompa Loompa might have really enjoyed what he was doing, okay? But my point is, this person thinks they think that they're giving something great to the ministry, but they're really not. The way they're appearing is they're just they're selfish. They're doing it for their own sake. He says, for not everyone looks out, uh, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Now, this is where we get into this kind of language. Well, I don't got to prove myself to nobody. God knows my heart. God knows who I am. Why do I got to prove myself to a man? I don't got to prove myself to nobody. But here it says, but you know in verse 22 that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. You don't have to prove anything to anybody for salvation or your calling. But if you want to be in relationship, it needs to be proved. You can go run out there on your own. As the old saying says, some were called, some were sent. Some just took the microphone and went. Some people just want to go out there and do it on their own, don't care about relationships. Well, then that's all that you'll have is shallow relationships. But those who know who that they are in Christ, I'm called. 
Paul didn't give me my calling. He might have confirmed it. You know, that's how Timothy might talk. I, I didn't get a calling from Paul, but he confirmed it. And I didn't get my salvation from Paul, but he might have taught it to me. Okay, so that's true. Didn't get nothing from Paul. I don't owe him anything. But if I want to be in a relationship with him, I ought to prove that I love him. I ought to prove that I care about Jesus Christ and his church. I ought to prove that I'm a leader and that I'm called to do something great for God. There should be some, some, some steps to what I've been saying, some walking to my talking. Amen? And he says, he's proved himself as a son with a father, and he has served with me in the work of the gospel, because ultimately it comes to the gospel, doesn't it? We're not here for ourselves. We're not here to build up our name, hand out Joe's books like here's Joe. We're here to make disciples that make disciples. We're here to represent the cross of Jesus Christ, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come. I know you guys have to start uh, getting your classes ready, so some of you want to open that up, but I just want to end with prayer for you and for me to be on the same page. Let me just say this in closing in a way that I've really understood as a parent. A lot of the lessons that I learn have, have gone through in church, I realize now I go through with my kids. So let me give you an example. I'll be teaching something to them in a Bible study, and they will all be lined up, and I'll say a scripture like, um, God has given us all things for life and godliness. And I'll say, repeat it with me. God has given me all things for life and godliness. Repeat again. God has given me all things for life and godliness. And then I'll say, okay, let's go. Who can say it? And then they'll raise their hand. And then we'll go to them. And then sometimes one of my children will start to, to stumble. They'll be like, God, God. And what I'll just do is go, okay, next. Who wants to go next? And I go right to the next one. And when they were young, coming into that age where they understood like, wow, I just got skipped. I don't like that feeling. I could see that pride raise up in them. Like, oh, man, you, you owe it to me to figure this out while everybody watches. You owe that to me. But I began to explain to him, no, we don't. You didn't come ready? Come ready the next time. We're going to come back to you. But we're going right to the next one. We're going to keep the movement. We're going, to, we're going to applaud the one who's working hard in this moment. Not looking down on any of you, but the one who works hard in this moment gets the treat. The one who wants it gets the treat. And I think so often we're in a place where everybody gets the trophy. And that's where I kind of go back to the Oompa Loompa thing where it's nameless and faceless and mindless. But no, we're going to get rewarded according to what we've done in the kingdom of God. And I want to be the hardworking one. I want to be the one sitting in the front of the class in SUM. I want to be the one getting an A. I want to be the one talking to the professor between classes. I want my paper to be the one read in class. I want to be the one chosen for special assignments at Mardi Gras. That's my heart. I'm not doing it for the sake of position. I'm doing it because I want to prove it. That I'm here to be a leader and here to be used by God. I want to be a Timothy in the house of God. Timothy has been my favorite book since I can remember, First and Second Timothy, because of who he was. Now I'm becoming more the age of a father. But I've always been the young man in ministry. Started church at 22 years old in my house. I've always been the youngest in a denomination of older people as a pastor. I've always been the youngest as, a, as an SUM graduate, the first one to become back as a pastor, a professor, the youngest with a cohort, all these things. You know, uh, I've always been the youngest among men older, and, but now I'm getting older, right? And so for me, I'm, I'm starting to learn both roles, but I want to tell you something. I want to see other people raise up and be Timothys. And so you don't have to do it for me. Do it for God, but prove it to me. Prove it. Show it your show your call. Show you're humble. Show you're willing to do the things because you want to be on the team. Cuz that's a joy to work with people like that. 
ah, I don't want to do it. Well, that's not a joy. It's not a joy to be with people like that. And you don't have to do it for man. Do it for God. I'm proving it to you every time I preach that I want to be a pastor. I want to serve you. I'm trying to prove it to you every time. Not that I have to. I'll do it with or without you. But I want you to be convinced that I love you, that I care about you, that I want to see your calling fulfilled. As Paul said, that I have a godly jealousy for you, that I don't want you to waste your life. I want you to fulfill your calling. There are no favorites here, but only those who favor his cause. There's nobody arbitrarily picked out going, you're my favorite, you're my favorite, you're not, you're not. No, but whoever favors his cause will be favored here. Whoever walks worthy of their calling will be honored here. We don't give out trophies to everybody. Not everybody becomes a deacon. Many are called, but few are chosen. Show that you want to be chosen. God calls the whole world, but only chooses who respond to the calling. God causes a few people to be in the ministry, but only chooses them to do the actual ministry for those who have done what's right with the talents he's given them. All by grace. Don't get me wrong. It's all by grace. But it's your cooperation with the grace of God. It's your synergy. It's not monergistic, God forcing you and making you his little Pinocchio today. It's synergistic. It's God complementing your character with your willingness to let him have you and to take you and to make you his own. That's how we build a movement that changes the world. We trust each other. Jen Johnson had to trust Bill Johnson. Kim Walker had to trust Banny. They had to trust each other. Misty Edwards had to trust Mike Bickle. You have to trust each other. You have to trust me. And we have to grow into a movement where we can replicate ourselves. I want to trust you that when you're replicating yourself, you're not replicating a rebellious Oompa Loompa that thinks that they got something special to bring to the world. But what you're replicating is disciples of Jesus Christ that make disciples, servants in the house of God. You're, repre you're, re you're reproducing yourself of David. You're reproducing the heart of a warrior inside of other people, women and men of God that walk worthy of their calling. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this chapel. May it springboard into other conversations and show us who we really are and challenge us to be the greatest leaders you called us to be. You said the greatest among us will be servants of all. You never took away the desire for us to be great. You just showed us how to be great, and that was to be humble. Lord, I want to be great in your kingdom, but I want to do it by being humble. Lord, I want to work with these awesome young men and women, but I want to do it in such a way that encourages them and challenges them. Lord, I want to encourage them to see you in themselves and to believe that all things are possible, that you see them holy, righteous, blameless, perfect, without sin. And so, Lord, whenever they do those things, they will know that that is not the standard, and so they will be quick to repent. Lord, I pray the words today of Scott, Pastor Scott Hagen over this church that Pastor Gary Grogan had shared. It takes guts to tell a young leader you see their gaps, not just their gifts, and that you're equally committed to both. God, I pray that we as a SUM cohort will be committed to their gifts and their gaps so that they will do what you've called them to do by seeing who they are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.